everybody. Happy Saturday. Ronnie and Kevin, it's going to be 87 degrees in Texas today. Great day. I'm so excited. 87? 87 is a win. 87 degrees. It is a smooth, uh, like 46 right now here in Virginia. I'm sorry. Um, it's 65 and, now. Oh, yeah. No, nah, we're not, we not getting nowhere near 80s today. I think the high for us is 54, man. Right. Yeah, welcome welcome back, 45? everybody. 45. Oh, 45. oh man. Yeah, no, nah, that's it. And the, wind is, and the wind has been disrespectful this morning. Like, the wind has been blowing crazy. We got a storm coming. We got a storm blowing in for tomorrow and Monday. But welcome back, everybody. This is House Talk pregame episode one fifteen, and you know yes. we got we got Kevin Meminger back with us. Um, good morning, man. How are you today? I'm doing great. I'm just happy to be back with you guys, and I think we have a really good talk set up for today. Yes, sir. Yes, yes sir. Well, we're glad to have you back, man. So look, you know. We appreciate everybody being back. Make sure y'all, before we get started, that you like and subscribe to our YouTube channel, House Talk Pregame. And uh, we are proud to announce that we are finally on Spotify. So if you know if you don't have Apple Podcasts, if you've got an Android phone, no need to fret. You can now catch us on YouTube and Spotify. All right, all yeah. the episodes. I think all our episodes are up there on Spotify now, right? Yeah, everything is everything. Yep, I think all our episodes are on yeah. Spotify now. So make sure you check that out. Subscribe to that page. Subscribe to our Apple Podcast page and make sure you subscribe and like to the YouTube page because that helps us out, helps us be able to provide more content to everybody. So make sure, you know, y'all do that. Um, so we got a great topic lined up for you all today. Um, is your athletic happiness a habit? Right. You know, um, does being a happy athlete always lead to being a better athlete? So, you know, we got a, a, a really great show lined up around that about, you know, you know, personal happiness versus athletic happiness and, you know, how those things can correlate and translate, you know, to, you know, performance and, uh, you know, also satisfaction on and off the uh, field court, whatever the case may be. Um, but before we get into that, um, so I wanted to kind of start today's show off um, and, you know, I, I want to get, you know, Dr. Pitts and, and Kevin's, you know, just kind of reflection real quick. So uh, for those who might not, you know, be aware uh, today is actually, you know, what I consider the, the three-year anniversary of, you know, the world as we know it changing forever. Um, and, you know, just to kind of provide a little, you know, background to that. So today is March 11th. And, you know, for all of us who, you know, remember who was, you know, a, a alive and conscious of what was going on three years ago, uh, March 11th kind of kicked off a, a chain of events to, you know, shut the world down for the next, you know, three to four months. Um, on March 11th, the NBA announced um, that they were canceling the rest of their season for the foreseeable future. Mm -hmm. um, the NCAA tournaments had canceled all the rest of their conference tournaments and the um, upcoming um, uh, NCAA tournament. Mm -hmm. um, most campuses across the country, all college campuses, had their students vacating by that weekend um going home and a lot of schools uh when i was actually i was at virginia state during the time we had actually just came back from spring break that sunday wow. so we came back from spring break that sunday and then that wednesday in the afternoon our uh school president had came on a little broadcast and was like hey um we need everybody off campus by saturday evening uh, all you ain't got to go home campus. but you got to get the heck up out of here everybody <laughs> gotta go everybody Everybody got to go. Campus had to be vacated. There was no ifs, ands, and buts about it. If you can't get home, we'll help you get home somehow, some way, but you got to leave campus. Um, and it was from, you know, me personally, from that moment forward, um, that's when I knew it was real. And that's when I knew things would be different. Um, you know, 
And, you know, it was different. And, you know, I think everybody, every single person, there's not too many historical events where, you know, all of mankind is impacted the same way. Um, But on March 11th, 2020, all of mankind was impacted in some way, shape Mm -hmm. or form. And and it kicked off a, a chain of events of, you know, people being worried, people being concerned about the future. Um, you know, for those who really remember, you know, from that moment on through the rest of March, um, were some very, uh, you know, unsure times. I remember one of the first things I knew when it when it got crazy was toilet paper was disappearing off the shelf. Like nobody could get toilet paper. People was like, fighting on the news over toilet paper. I, I remember like you really had to go, you know, to, you know, three or four different stores just to find a four pack of toilet paper, you know, to find cases of water. Um, mask, you know, masks were flying off the shelves. Zoom, this very platform we're using right now, Zoom became, you know, a relevant thing in our vernacular every single day. I promise you before March 11th, I had never heard of Zoom, but I can't function without it now. You know, if I want to hop on a conversation with somebody, I need Zoom. Um, and, and everything else that just transpired those first few months of the pandemic, you know, the, the George Floyd, um, you know, um, fiasco and everything that happened with that all the civil rights marches and everything that was going on during the summer and everything. And then, you know, trying to slowly reopen the world and make sense of what had just happened. And I think for a lot of us, you know, um, a lot of people are still trying to make sense of what happened three years ago. A lot of people, you know, they weren't able to go back to their jobs that they once had. A lot of people lost their jobs, lost their businesses, you know, um, people lost family members, people lost family members that they couldn't no longer see in person anymore prior to them passing away. Um, You know, so, uh, I, I will never forget this day. Um, I, and I was telling Dr. Pitts earlier, I was like, you know, when my son gets older and if he has kids and whatnot, I'm going to be that old person telling him, like, look, let me tell you what really happened back then, you know, <laughs> not with them book, not with them textbooks is telling y'all, you know. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, so I, I just wanted to get y'all's, you know, reflection real quick of, you know, where were you on that day three years ago and how has, you know, since three years ago really, you know, shaped or changed how you look at the, you know, world as we live in moving forward? Kevin, I'll let you go first. Um, I think to relate it to the show um, is like the show's purposes. I think it's crazy because I had just gone on spring break that um, that weekend. So oh, wow. we had left on like the six or something like that. We had left right before like they really had started saying it was official. We had heard little rumors. I remember um, we were in the dorm room just making fun of it. Like, ah, Corona is like, ha, ha, ha. Like, making <laughs> jokes and everything. And then like, I think when it really hit how serious it was was when I saw the NCAA and the NBA, like the, mm-hmm. the corporations with a lot of money, when they stopped producing, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, like, right, for real. Like, you know what I'm saying? It's a lot of money being stopped right now. And then, like, I think everything was just, like you said, it was a chain of events. I'm like, anything I've seen before. Um, like, I mean, our family members got sick bad. I think that was the biggest thing was the fear of how sick everybody could get without like, you know, us knowing how bad it really was since we had no like research done about it. It was just so out of nowhere. Um, I think it, it like for me, I know it's altered a lot of things. It's altered where I went to school, just how we practiced, how we did everything for my first couple of years. When I got back to being on campus, it was, it was just nuts. Like, the games with no fans, practicing with the Gators and masks songs. Like, it was weird to be an athlete. I always laugh at, like, those uh, high school basketball games with the kids wearing the masks on. Right, yeah. 
I don't even think that serves its purpose like they think it does. It's just, it's it's made so many things change either for better. Like there's positives for me um, Mm -hmm. about the situation, I feel like, and then there's negatives. Um, just from like the whole total world view, but it's just been crazy. To think it's been three years already has been crazy too, though. Right. Yeah. I, you know, for me, um, I'm I'm gonna tie it solely to the well, primarily the mental health piece. Um, when I got the call that the world was shutting down, you know, at the time, I was intensive mobile outpatient, and I had just arrived at a client's home. Um, when I received a call and I was in Delaware and I received a call saying, where are you? Say, where was, you need to get across the bridge now. Um, I got, you know I me, mean? a work call. I got a session to do. I'm not gonna, if you don't get across that bridge right now, you're gonna be stuck in Delaware. Okay, so see y'all, bye. Here on. I've made a beeline straight for the bridge. <laughs> to get over and you remember at the time they were like oh it's gonna be two weeks mm-hmm. right <laughs> and here we are three years later and a whole new normal um but kevin when you referenced the the positives that came out of it right it's i mean i was i say this humbling graciously i was a successful clinician pre-pandemic right mm-hmm. but the pandemic actually positioned me to be able to transition to private practice sooner because the demand for my services grew exponentially. Um, there just, there, there just wasn't enough of us to go around yeah. to help support the mental health issues that escalated as a result of the pandemic, um, you know, health professionals and essential all of us that were considered essential workers you know it it the pand with the pandemic came a mental health crisis and we were already in a mental health crisis right um you know as you said not only had numerous family members and friends that were gravely ill but also lost some loved ones to um the the pandemic so very very scary times and just eye-opening times because what I realized as a mental health practitioner and, and Ronnie and I touched on this before the show and part of it is it's laughable is people realize they don't like their husband they don't like their wife they don't like their kids they don't like their pets they don't like the house that they live in they don't like their neighborhood they didn't like the family that they were born into they don't like people right people had this huge aha moment because what the pandemic required people to do was actually parent. The, the pandemic required people to be emotionally available. The pandemic required people to raise their EQ. The pandemic required people to be honest. And that from a relational perspective was very, 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 very difficult for people. So a lot of relationships were strengthened through the pandemic but a lot of relationships came to an end in the pandemic. A lot of babies were born as a result of the pandemic. So I was like, oh, this must've been what it was like back during the Great Depression. Right. <laughs> Not even true. Just, just when you was a kid, I mean, right. Well, they had nothing big, else better to big, do. And look, Big Mama had about 14, 15 children and got nothing yeah, they did. more to do. That's Shoot. real talk. That's real talk. And you know, my family's massive. So I was like, oh, y'all, 
Y'all ain't have, there wasn't no okay, there wasn't no nothing. Y'all was just doing what you, look, Gary on hashtag doing what I do. Right. <laughs> doing what they do. And I think if there's if there's yeah. one other positive that came out of this too, Dr. Pitts, is you know, I mean, I know you were already doing it um, you know, personally, but the, yeah. this podcast was birthed out of the pandemic. You yeah. know, I'll I never yeah. forget that email you sent me in August of 2020, like, hey, you know, gonna do, a, gonna do a podcast on sports and mental health. You want to join? And I was like, you want me to speak? Like, uh, and, yeah. you know, here we are three years later. So, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah, no, nah, it it was definitely yeah. uh uh I'm not gonna say what a time to be alive, but you know, it was it was a time it was a time to be it was a time to be alive. And you know, uh, I always say, you know, that's why I always say, you know, the the world is way bigger than any of us can ever fathom, you know. And I think you know, Mother Nature, Earth, you know, things like that have a way of you know humbly reminding us, like, hey, look, it's bigger than you, right? You know, you can you can be here today and enjoy these things, and then tomorrow it can be a completely different world that you'll never recognize again. So that's why I always tell people, you know, we're here for a good time, not a long time. So yeah, oh, you know, while you are here, enjoy mm-hmm. it because you just never know. Like you just yeah. never know. And shout out to DJ D Nice too, because he was definitely the real MVP of, <laughs> of the quarantine. He was um, doing the darn thing. Club quarantine had us lit every day from March yeah. to June. Um, but yeah, yeah so um yeah i just wanted to you know really you know bring mm-hmm. you know just bring that to the forefront everybody you know look you know we still rocking in this thing and you know for the people mm-hmm. out there who have had to you know suffer tremendous losses and things like that you know mm-hmm. we are here for you you know there are people out there there's villages out there for you that can help you make sense of things that have gone on the last few years and you know try to you know put the pieces back together and really you know spring forward mm-hmm. to what we have you know in the future so um yeah i, I appreciate y'all you know sharing y'all's own perspectives and what was going on during that time too because I, Kevin, I was like you, man. Like, man, this ain't about to be forever. I, I, I always tell people, I, I really thought the worst thing in 2020 that would have happened would have been Kobe Bryant passing away. If you would have told me that would have not been the worst thing to happen that year, I probably would have smacked you because how dare you disrespect Kobe like that? Like, let alone two months. Like, like it wasn't even two months later. It was literally Kobe Black History Month. COVID. It felt like it was just crazy. Like, Work speed. It was it was weird too because it was just like an eerie time. I feel like that mm-hmm. generally like just I know like it was just a, a weird time, and then all of a sudden it was like okay, like what are we really dealing with with COVID? Like you said, Doctor Warren, it was only then yeah. two weeks they kept pushing that. We'll be you know, <laughs> right. right two weeks and like, try again two more weeks. You know, like, yeah, like, right. no, no, it's like it's no big deal. It, it'll be done in two weeks. Mm-hmm. And then next thing you know, they're like, all right, y'all come get y'all stuff. Like, right. we're going. I ain't going to lie, though. To be a high school senior when that first started, because I remember the kids I was working with, SAT scores didn't count no more. You know, you know, grades like, hey, look, you, you want to graduate? That would have been the perfect year yeah. to graduate and have senioritis like crazy. Because teachers was like, oh, you don't turn your work in? It's all good. Everybody going to pass anyway. How can we yeah. fail you? I, right. you know, it was right. such a wild time. Ronnie, um, wait, I want to open a can of worms because you know I'm ornery to the core. Uh-oh. And I just had this, I just, it just hit me. Kevin was doing it. Ronnie, do you, please do it. Do your Trump impersonation during the <laughs> Ronnie, please, please do it, Ronnie. Please do it. What was that There's dumb thing he used? To worry. There was nothing to worry about. Everything is okay. Everything is fine. Everything is good. We have everything worked out. 
nothing to worry about here. Nothing, nothing. Everybody's just going about your business. Like, I was over there like, hey, look. What? Bleach your G-Rains. Don't forget to inject the bleach. Don't forget to inject the bleach. What, 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 what virus? Every, everything is okay. What, what virus? Man, that was, I forgot that was the election year too. Like, man, I, man, that. Yeah, it was nuts. They're gonna turn. They're gonna turn 2020 into a BET movie. I promise you. Tyler Perry <laughs> going. Tyler Perry going EP that movie, and it's gonna be. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a hit. It's gonna be a hit. But all right. So uh, I know there was a couple. There was a little bit of news before we get into the topic, Doctor Fitz. Um, yep. um. So the only news that I saw was, um, you know, shout out to uh, Chad Ochocinco. Um, he was just uh, named the official. Uh, I think celebrity ambassador for the athletic departments at mm-hmm. FAMU. Mm-hmm. Um, for those who follow Chad, Chad Ochocinco know that for years now, he's always been repping FAMU. Um, he said mm-hmm. it in multiple interviews, you know, that had he known, you know, what he known now, he probably would have went to FAMU um, mm-hmm. as a student athlete and everything, but he has made a valiant effort to, you know, rep them, support them, you know, bring them awareness and everything. Mm-hmm. And now they, you know, uh, you know, really brought him on as you know ambassador for the entire school. So shout out to him for that. Go Yeah, I think that's huge. I think that's major. And and and, and let's not sleep on their football team either. You know, their football team yeah, definitely. They're their coach is a phenomenal coach. Yeah. Um, so they will be you know somebody to reckon with uh, this upcoming season and everything. But um, shout out to them and everything for that. Um, I know spring ball is kicking off at a lot of campuses in the next week or so. That's always fun. Um, mm-hmm. Said by no football player ever. <laughs> I ain't gonna lie. Spring ball as a freshman is lit because you're like, oh, I get to play football in the spring after your freshman year. Oh, them 15 practices is in the way. What? Man, because it's literally ones versus ones 15 times. Like there is no, oh, I got a scout team this day. I got scout. No, ones versus ones the entire spring. It's lit. Spring game is lit, but you know, them from practice one to 14. Give me to the spring game, coach. Give me to the spring game. As soon as you cross, really, like, like that sophomore year, like you saying, like freshman year, it's just like, wow, I can't believe you playing football almost year round. Sophomore year, it's like you know you fighting for your spots, and yeah, once you get to like that junior, you just tired. You just like, I'm over it. Like, I don't even like this no more. Like, I gotta hey, do look, you, you, you use that first too. practice from spring break to get back in shape real quick because you don't lost all your shape from winter workouts. It ain't even it, you was in shape when it was cold. You come back after spring break, it's warm outside now. I'm all out of shape. <laughs> Man, mm. so shout out to all the schools that's getting ready to start spring ball and everything. Um, you know, it's a it's a wonderful time. Spring semester, I always say spring semester flies by. So um, Dr. Pitts, let's go ahead and get into this topic. Yes, yes, yes. So the reason why I'm so excited about this topic is because, you know, as a a solution-focused mental health practitioner um, and doing this work for as long as I have, one of the things that's become really, really clear to me, or at least in my opinion, I'll, I'll make it my opinion, is that we live in a global society that has conditioned us to be problem focused and problem saturated, right? Mm -hmm. Rather than solution focused and solution oriented. So when I think about that within the context of sports, you know, right, I'm gonna punch you in your face if you say something slick. Um, So when I was reading my highlights yesterday 
and they were breaking down all of the interceptions that Dak had for the season. Mm -hmm. They were taught, and, and we've talked about it like legitimately in the athletic context, right? That quarterbacks, you know, they're always going to be charged with the interception that's thrown. But when you break it down and look at well, was it really the quarterback that attempted the, did the receiver run the wrong route? Like there's mm -hmm. other things that come into play, but the QB still takes responsibility and gets charged with the interception. And one of the things that the reporter was saying is the attitude, right? The attitude that quarterbacks have to have that even when they're doing this and they broke down the other interceptions that some of the, the more elite quarterbacks had thrown and, and where they were in it. And he was saying that the attitude of the quarterback amidst these problems, right, has mm -hmm. to stay positive because you can't shift blame. And that was like ding, 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 ding for me because it reminded me of the quote, attitude determines altitude right? And if you're somebody who is moved like the wind by your circumstances where it comes to your athletic performance and, mm -hmm. and it's no longer fun for you to play the game, you all just talked about that within the context of the spring game, right? What, is that, what does that mean? And what does that look like? So for me, it's mental because what we know to be true is in athletics, stuff happens. You're, you're part of a team. So your teammate blowing around, your teammate missing a tackle, your teammate fumbling the ball, your, all of these things. And no, it's not a matter of being happy about the mistakes or being happy about losing. It's about the attitude that informs whether or not you have an internal happiness, an internal joy, an internal peace that allows you to take responsibility for the mistakes, the shortcomings and the pitfalls, but also not be robbed of the fun that's connected to your happiness. We talked a couple of weeks ago about losing that Super Bowl to Peyton and the Broncos when the, um, the Panthers had that phenomenal season and Cam has never been the same. He's never been the same and it, I mean, we know that clearly it appears there's other things going on, but what was clear to me and what I said is he's not having fun anymore. He's not happy about playing football anymore. And that's here, or at least in my opinion, it's here. I think that in order for you all to be happy about your athletic performance and to maintain the love and the passion and the joy that you find in playing sports, it is gonna require you to have the right attitude in spite of your team record, where you might mess up, where your teammates might mess up, how jacked up the coaching staff is or whatever the case may be. What's your take on that? I'll let you go first, Kevin. All right. So um, I think that one of the biggest things for us, and it's funny that you say the attitude, because like on the defensive side of the ball last year on my uh, McKendry team, on my little life, you know, we were ATF, like you talked about it. It was attitude, tenacity, and finish up the back when it was used, but it kind of became what we embodied, like 
as defensive players. And so, mm-hmm. like, when you talk about the happiness of it, like, the, I think that a lot of the attitude mm-hmm. came from, like, the guys around us. Like, for me personally, like, on days where I've had really bad days outside of my athletic, like, you know what I'm saying, just my personal life, if something happens at 2 p.m., you know what I'm saying, and I got practice at 3 p.m., Mm-hmm. I'm filtering that out as soon as I get to practice. I'm I'm being around the guys more. And I think that this is something, you know, at the, you know, not the professional level, at the collegiate level, at the more amateur levels when you're not getting paid, it's different because you got to do it for the love of the game and you know, like the love of the guys around you. Like for me, you know, I might not be happy, but if I'm going into a room with 10 of my D linemen and I know like they're gonna be joking, we're gonna be playing, you know what I'm saying? Somebody gonna see me not happy and just start messing with me. Be like, come mm-hmm. on, man. like what it like, whatever it is, you have to shift your focus back to what we're here to do. Like, you know what I'm saying? Because if you're not happy and you like you letting it affect how you move in football, especially, like you can't be that sidetracked with somebody else's livelihood kind of in your hands. Like mm-hmm. it's you know, as an offensive lineman, defensive lineman. Like, if I'm sidetracked, I'm not paying attention. Somebody come get cut. Somebody get blocked. You know what I'm saying? Somebody can get hit crazy because I'm focused on the outside world. And I think it's like you kind of got to shut it down and talk, like, just talk to the guys who are there, which are the guys who are putting in that work. And I think when I look around, like, especially when you're in these settings, like, if I'm at practice, nothing else matters than football. Nothing, like. Nobody, if I look across, you know, at my quarterback and my wideouts, like they're not worried about their girl issues or if they failed a class today or like, and I think that's why it, it comes, it really is the love of the game, the love of the guys around you that can adjust your attitude to either raise you up or bring you down. And then you talked about like the interceptions, like those guys making those plays and stuff like that. Like that shouldn't, as for me, it never really affects how I'm going to look at them, how I'm going to how I'm going to move for myself. Like, it happens. It's a game. It's mm-hmm. a sport. Like, you know, there's going to be mistakes. There's going to be bad calls. Like, mm-hmm. missed shots, missed opportunities. Like, the only thing I expect is, like, whenever we're there and we have the chances, whether that's a film or practice, to take advantage of those. Like, you know, when it becomes repetitive, that's when you become frustrated. And I think mm-hmm. that's when you see, like, like attitudes start to change. Like, if we're repetitive, mm-hmm. We're repeating the same things to you. You're not getting it. Like you don't mm-hmm. want to coach, and you don't want to listen to the guys around you who've done this before. Then, like that's when you see the love of the game start to disappear, and that can happen because because guys have never been critiqued, or like when you start talking about the professional level, you see talking about millions of dollars and stuff, and that's when you know am I not touching the ball? I'm not getting paid. That's mm-hmm. a different thing that can affect our mental mental health for sure. Yeah. All right, man. Kevin, that was a beautiful answer, man. Thank you. And um, if I could piggyback off any of that, um, I think, yeah, you know, when when you don't have the, you know, the right attitude, the right mindset, you know, when going into sports, um, I think, you know, I think the beautiful thing about sports that we always talk about is how much it relates to life, especially team sports, you know, team sports, you know, directly relate to life, you know, in my opinion, and when you take a football team, because football teams typically have the most participants amongst the team and everything, you might have anywhere from 50, you know, in professional leagues, so almost 100 in the collegiate level. And you get a small microcosm of how society functions. You get people from all walks of life, 
you know, seen different things, heard different things, and you try to get them all together in one room, one locker room, and have the same goal, have the same end goal, same mindset, same determination, same drive to win a championship, to, you know, be a successful team. And with anything, and one of the things I always try to, you know, do as a line, because we talked about this before, linemen don't get a lot of credit, especially offensive linemen. The only credit we ever got is when you messed up. So, you know, linemen, you know, it's kind of the, you know, the old mindset, you know, I'm not going to reward you for doing what you're supposed to do. You know, as a lineman, we just do what we got to do. You only get recognition when you when you mess up. But, you know, one of the things I always try to keep in mind is that as long as I know I did my job amongst the team, almost as a, as a citizen nowadays, as long as I'm a productive human being amongst my society, you know, that's all I can ask for. You know, as you know, as I talk to my village and as I hold my village accountable in society, as you know, holding my teammates accountable on a team, you know, making sure at the end of the day, I did what I had to do. So that way, when I go to somebody else and try to hold them accountable or try to offer them encouragement or critique, I'm also holding myself to the same standard as well, because if I hold you as my teammate to a different standard than I hold myself, then we're not always going to be aligned and our mission is not going to be the same, just like in society. If I hold people to a different standard than I hold myself, then that's not really building a village. That's not really building a society that can be cohesive. So, you know, I always tell young athletes, you know, making sure you do what you have to do. Hold, what are your expectations? Because if your expectations are high enough and you hold, and you hold yourself accountable to them and consistent to your, to your expectations, then sometimes leading by example, being the model for other teammates and other people in society can do the job for you because not everybody has to be a vocal leader amongst your team or a vocal member in society to lead by example. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you have situations where, you know, you make a mistake or, you know, you're making a lot of mistakes in a game, I'm not going to name no team or anything like that that makes a lot of mistakes. But, you know, when you do make mistakes, coaches always say, have a short-term memory, have a short-term memory, because once again, what do we know about life? You're going to make mistakes. You're going to mess up. You will not be perfect. And if perfection is your expectation, you will fail every single time. Mm -hmm. It's not about being perfect. It's about being your true authentic self and working through those mistakes. Our coach used to say before every game, survive the SH storm because mm -hmm. it's going to happen, whether it's the first quarter or whether it's the middle of the third or fourth quarter, something's going to go wrong. It's not going to go your way. It's going to be a holding penalty. It's going to be unsportsmanlike conduct. It's going to be a pass interference. Mm -hmm. It's going to be something that comes along the course of the game, whether it's a fumble, interception, whatever, that throws you out of whack. And then what do you do? Mm -hmm. you know, being able to be comfortable in that chaos and not allow the chaos to consume you. You know, that's a skill that I think, you know, one of the things that oftentimes us as, you know, former athletes, we don't give ourselves enough credit for is that, yeah, now granted, you know, the chaos in a game compares to nothing to the chaos of life, but the reaction, the behaviors, the steps that you take to get through that chaos translate to the real world. And oftentimes we forget that the chaos that we might find ourselves in the middle of a game or practice or, you know, just the regular, you know, student athlete week is the same chaos we can find ourselves in as adults going to work, coming home, trying to balance work and family, those things like that. So, you know, don't short yourself for the things that you've learned through your sport and the attitude that you develop through your sport and allowing it to translate to the real world. That's the, what, what the uh, if I was to sort of categorize a good portion of what you both said, that's the systemic piece. That's mm -hmm. the systemic piece that has the ability to influence your happiness, right? And the way that you both said it, and I, 
the thing, Kevin, you said it last time you were on here and Ronnie, you talk about it a lot, right? The programming or the, if I were to reframe that, the conditioning of your mind, like Kevin, you talked about, you know what, I got to be able to block everything out. I need to be present, right? Mm -hmm. So when we look at that within the clinical context, you recognize that you have to be emotionally present during your, your athletic involvement, whether it's practice or looking at films or, you know, the game, pregame hype or whatever the case may be. And I think that that's the hard part for people. I think that people don't realize how powerful the conditioning piece is. And, and the reason why I said it, like, I, I know, I feel like every athlete understands that a big part of your athletic performance and your athletic trajectory is mental. I get that. I, I know that you all understand the importance of mental toughness. Where I think the breakdown occurs is when people don't realize the systemic piece, right? Because, and you two correct me if I'm wrong, what we see in collegiate sports and in professional sports is people losing it, right? And, and I'm looking at the game and I, you know, I try not to look at performance through a, a clinical lens, but it's hard, right? So when you think about some of the athletes that have made the news because of their what? Their behavior. That tells me that there's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between, there's a disconnect in their understanding of how important it is to condition their mind holistically. It's not just about conditioning your mind where your athletic performance is concerned. You have to condition your mind in every aspect, every domain of your life, because to your point, Kevin, like if something happens in your personal life, or you also touched on it, like if you look at it professionally and you're getting paid all this money and you're not getting the ball or you're not getting the playing time that you want or whatever the case may be, now you're on the side, you throwing helmets, you, you know, you talking, you running up, all this craziness is going on. And that tells me there's a there's a mental health piece that is missing. And I want to present it like this. One of the one of the hardest classes that I had to take in my preparation to be a clinician was cybernetics. What? I can't right. Ronnie's like, why did you have to take that? I don't know. What is it called again? Cybernetics. Okay. okay. We had to take cybernetics <laughs> and it because cybernetics gets into how the mind works and how the mind processes information and stimulus on mind arts. It was like the hardest class that I ever had to take. But one of the cybernetics professors, Dr. Wallace said this. He said, computers are like the human brain. Our brains are programmed much like a computer. Just before we put any sound, sight, smell, taste, touch, or intuition into our mental computers, we stamp it as positive or negative. Then we store the sensation in our brains and it permanently stays there. That's why you can't always remember a person's name, but you can always remember how you felt about them. Dr. Wallace also said, unlike computers, however, humans develop a habit 
of programming their minds to be either mostly negative or mostly positive. And what I'm saying is, I believe that when you look at you guys, you the, the female athletes, whomever, when you look at you all holistically as an athlete, who you are at your core, whether or not you at your core is mostly positive or mostly negative is going to influence your performance. Speak to that. I'll let you go first, Kevin. <laughs> All right, cool. I think that's a tough one too, because I think that like when you look at athletes, like I think about Aaron Hernandez a lot, like how people got fooled by that, especially like when you talk about having somebody like Tebow on his team who seemingly to like the outside world in society, like his core was seen to be just this positive, like, you know what I'm saying, strong dude, knowing in his faith and his teammate is somebody who he's with every single day. Mm -hmm. every, you know what I'm saying? Same rooms, film rooms, buses, hotels, all that practice. And like, you know what I'm saying? He has the capability of doing that. I think that's, it, it's crazy because it's possible. And it sounds like, you know what I'm saying? It sounds out like it sounds outlandish, but it's possible because I think that people are able to cover that and mask it up to a certain degree. I think um, you see it when, like you're saying, with athletes just like having those moments of like humanity and flipping out and like throwing their helmet. I think like throwing they tablets. Man, throwing that's like I think, I think those moments sometimes reflect just the humanity of it because like, I think it could touch you know it could be something like going on like you know I think you know baseball players when they break something it could be they haven't hit something like they're on the cold street they haven't hit got a hit got on base and they feel like it's affecting their performance and they just like lose it and I think there are times, like, you know, as an athlete during mild practices where I'm out of throwing the helmet or, like, you know, I had a moment where I'm, ah, like, I'm losing the rep over and over. And I'm just like, how do I get past this point? And, mm -hmm. like, I think it is definitely about self-reflection and looking at yourself. Mm -hmm. And, like, I grew up in a city full of dramatic athletes. <laughs> like, you know, coming up, I had between T.O., A.I., NAB, like, mm. I was touching about the Phillies and the Flyers and all the messes that they were going through up until mm. away. But, like, I think that it's hard because you have to be aware all the time of who you are as an athlete. Mm. But like, some of it is, to me, just the humanity, the frustrations that people go through on a day-to-day -day basis. Mm. Like, it might be my car didn't start out, my battery dead or something. Now I'm on the sideline throwing a fit and then have to explain that in front of the media and have to, like... I think that that's where it becomes real complex. And then mm -hmm. athletes don't always know how to handle it well, because a lot of times we're not taught crisis communication. We're not taught communication in general, like how mm -hmm. to be emotionally aware and emotionally aware. And then the effects of being emotionally intelligent when speaking to people is it's mm -hmm. a lot that, you know, some people just don't get told they're just so good athletically that they're put in these positions mm -hmm. where all you have to do is be who you are as an athlete and we'll figure everything else out and then that really takes a toll on the like development of somebody's mental well-being and I think like it kind of just you start to see those like you know guys just going off the wall and who mm -hmm. they're talking to like I think about I don't like to bash AB 
you know, Antonio Brown. But I think he's like one of the examples of mental health and athletics that will be discussed, you know, in the future, probably like five, ten years from now. Because right. how you go from, you know, this the duty was at Central Michigan and everything like that to the person he is now. You could say it was a lot of influences on it. But I think, you know, pressure can, you know, make diamonds. It can, you know, do a lot of other things too. So I think yeah. that it's it's intriguing because like it is, it can, I think it can be if they're a positive person internally already, but mm-hmm. I think they can cover that up. And sometimes, you know, that can just be max and up to they show you who they really are. And I and um, I think uh, another great example that we should probably spend uh, a few minutes talking about because it's the most relevant one in the sports world is the situation with John Morant. Um, and for those who um, are not familiar with what's been going on with John Morant, um, he's the uh, starting point guard for the Memphis Grizzlies, um, mm-hmm. was the number two overall pick in the 2019 draft, I believe. Um, and by all accounts, you know, through his first, you know, three seasons has gotten better each year and was an all-star this year. I think this is the second time being an all-star. Um, he got most improved player last year and just signed a $200 million extension contract that kicks in this coming uh, season. However, what have we seen going on the last few months with him? Reports coming out that last year um, when he was back home, he got into it with a teenager doing a basketball game. And then it comes out that he got into it with uh, a teenager at a finish line because of his mama. And so he pulling up, you know, telling the security guard, well, let me know when to get off because I got something for him. And then when they just played the Pacers, the Indiana Pacers, I think sometime in mid-January, the um, security for the Indiana Pacers filed a police report saying that one of uh, John Morant's uh, best friends and possibly him were pointing a red dot at the play- at the Indiana players as they were getting on the bus. And then to culminate all of that, we just saw this past week after, you know, the uh, police are investigating the situation that happened with the kid. He goes on IG Live and is holding a gun on IG Live in the club in Denver. All types of red flags. How did you get the gun to Denver? Did you bring the gun on the team plane? Did you have the gun at the team facilities? All those things. He's at risk of having a 50 game suspension, possibly, if it comes out to be true that he had that gun on, you know, Memphis's facilities and he carried it on the NBA plane. So I say all that to say, and I, to answer your question, Dr. Piss, this is a, this is a classic example. Of, and I, and I said this, you know, um, apparently he, you know, um, uh, voluntarily uh, admitted himself into a rehab clinic um, because apparently it came out that he'd been having some um, alcoholism issues. Um, mm-hmm. Apparently his, his drug of choice has been alcohol and it's been getting out of control, you know, more and more. Um, and this is the classic example because what it looked like from the naked eye was that this man is literally sabotaging on a public platform. You know, no rational, you know, emotionally aware, mature, you know, adult would get on Instagram live knowing that they have $200 million in the bank account and be flashing a gun on live in a club. You know, after after everything that has gone on. So we clearly see somebody who is allowing those intrusive thoughts, those negative thoughts, you know, and, and to your point, um, one of the things I try to get people to you know think about is that from a cognitive standpoint, you know, our automatic thoughts can sometimes boil down to two originating thoughts. Am I worthy enough? And am I competent enough? Mm. I always tell people, if you can answer t- yes to both of those questions, 
more times than not, you probably will experience positive thoughts, positive outcomes, and you know, positive ways to deal with stress, you know, setbacks and things like that. But if you answer no to one of those questions, not even both of them, but at least to one of those, if you feel like you are not competent enough, or if you feel like you're not worthy enough, it will spill into your personal life. And it can definitely spill into your athletic career. Because at the end of the day, to your point, yes, we all get frustrated as athletes. We all have setbacks. We all have failures. That's just a part of sports. That's a part of life. But if you make those setbacks, if you make those failures about you and your ability to be competent enough or worthy enough to get through it, to see it through, then yes, more times than not, if you experience negative thoughts, negative intrusive thoughts, you know, self-defeating thoughts, self-sabotaging thoughts, more times than not, you might succumb to some of those thoughts because at the end of the day, deep down inside, um, subconsciously, you feel that you are either not worthy enough or competent enough to see that plan through. And those are issues. So when we think about somebody like John Morant, who has been successful every year in the NBA, has a supportive family, has a loving father and a loving mother and a loving family who did not grow up in the streets, did not come from a traumatic background, did not come from a, a, a low income area. And to see him, somebody as successful as him, sabotaging his career for the world to see, to me, that screams out attention seeking. I need help. Somebody help me. And I hope he is getting the help that he needs right now because I would hate to see somebody as athletic as he is and as talented as he is and the opportunity to be the face of a league, to be the face of, you know, Black families and things like that, to sit there and throw it all away. Nobody who has a rational mind does that. That's a great segue to the, to the next point that I wanted you two to speak on because there is definitely a connection between your happiness and fulfillment as an athlete, as a human being, and your self-talk. And, you know, we'll we'll laugh and joke about it. You know, they got them voices in their head. You them people talking to you again, you know. But it's not about it is about the voices in your head, but it's your internal narrative. Mm -hmm. It's what are you saying to yourself? And and I bring that up because I really truly believe that for all of us, but with the emphasis on athletes right now, that learning to choose your attitude isn't easy, particularly because of what you said, Kat, right? Like, you know, you all are entitled to have bad days and things aren't going to always go your way and you're not going to always hit your peak performance. And there's so many other pressures that you all have to endure as athletes but I really truly believe that mastering a positive attitude, regardless of your circumstances, is going to be an integral part in building your resilience so that when the pressure of life comes, when the curveballs are thrown, when the mistakes and the shortcomings happen, you're better equipped to resolve in a, in a pro-social way is the language that we use clinically. Talk to us in the instance time because I want to make sure I hit you guys with the rest of these questions. Can you both briefly touch on your belief around your self-talk as an athlete and how that impacts how you're showing up in the game? I think I'll take it first. Um, I yes, think sir. Yes, sir. No talk. I think it's um it's, it could go like a couple different ways. Like, I think there's guys who talk themselves up. I'm laughing just because I'm thinking about that Grant Williams uh, 
about mm-hmm. the other day because he talked himself like, you know, game on the line, two free throws. He's talking about, I got to go home with the ball. Oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> to, the, to the point where you got it, and then he messed around, missed both free throws. So, you know, it's about, I think with self-talk, you have to know that you're going back it up. Like, I think about, like, yeah, I think it's easy to think about the greats. Like, they always talk about, you know, the best players talked a lot. Like, Larry Bird talked a lot. Mm-hmm. Mike talked a lot. Like, these guys who get in your ear all the time. And then there's mm-hmm. guys, you know what I'm saying? Don't meet up to that same level. But I think that it's how you, you have to know yourself. You have to know what's going to tick you off, what's going to affect you. Because I've seen guys who their self-talk is they'll boost themselves so high that the moment they fall one time, if they don't immediately get that, you know, oh, it's okay, it's okay, they'll they'll lose it. And then I know guys who, like, kind of got Kawhi Leonard mindset and kind of, you know, they walk around with that where it's, it's never something that you have to hear. It's all internal and it's all how you push. What can I do? Can I get one more? Can I get one more shot? One more? Uh-huh. I think definitely it could go either way. It's just up to really the athlete, how they handle it. Uh-huh how they handle those pressures that they already face. Mm-hmm. And, and just to piggyback off of that real quick, I think, you know, when we talk about self-talk, I think of, you know, affirmation, you know, and, mm-hmm. you know, but it, it can be twofold. It can be a, a blessing and a curse because if you, like like uh, Kevin was saying, sometimes you can, you know, talk yourself with false confidence and false affirmations. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you can almost, in other words, fake it till you make it. And mm-hmm. so, you know, because if you don't truly believe that, once again, if you are worthy or competent of what you're about to set out to do, whether mm-hmm. it's personally, professionally, or athletically, mm-hmm. then the moment something comes up, the moment the first piece of adversity hits you, you more times than not will fold because you didn't believe what you were telling yourself. Mm-hmm. I always tell people, whether it's love, care, confidence, anything, if you don't put that self in front of it and believe in self, mm-hmm. then nobody can put that in you for you. Nobody can love you enough for you to love yourself. Nobody can boost you up enough for you to go out there and have the confidence to do what it is you need to do. If you don't talk yourself over, if you don't believe in yourself, then more times than not, when you face that adversity, when you face that setback or that loss, then yeah, you, you might fold to that. Yeah. I think that that also ties into, and I think you both sort of alluded to it, right? It's the power. It's the power of your negative thinking and is it positive or is it negative and so in the the examples that you both gave one of the things that I think about is the connection between the negative thinking and the self-talk and whether or not it's positive or negative but what I really truly believe and and Kevin I think you said it is what's going to be evident particularly in those times where your performance isn't where you want it to be you're going to see who people really are at their core. It's going to come out. It is absolutely positively going to come out. You can only mask it for so long. The, the, the game has the ability to bring so much pressure that you will, before it is all said and done, you will see who people are really, who people really are and what they're made of, hence why we've talked about in previous shows, right? A lot of times you'll see teammates get into it with, with themselves, right? You'll see, it's like, yo, they are about to fight. <laughs> like, there's teammate. what's going on right now? But, that, but to me, that's a core issue. That's not a circumstantial issue. 
that that speaks to who that person is at their core. So I say all that to say that I really truly believe that people are either mostly positive or they're mostly negative. I believe mm-hmm. that. And I believe that with the right stimulus, it's going to come out and you're going to see how you're showing up and how you're stamping things. Because what do we know to be true in sports? And you have both said it. It can be the most trivial, the most trivial situation that happens. And it is going to be presented in the worst possible light. People going to take it and run with it. And in sports, they love y'all one minute and hate y'all the next. But how does that impact y'all? How did, how, do you internalize those attacks and does it affect your love and your passion for your game? Show, show me I suck. Mm-hmm. <laughs> show, show, show me I suck. Please, you, put, you put some pads on and show me I suck. I think that's a great, literally, because like how I was going to say, mm-hmm. like they're going to test your gangster every time. Like if you walk around like you him, they will t- like you always are going to run into somebody. Like I've learned that at every level, no matter how big and bad you think you are, mm-hmm. you always going to have somebody to test you. Like it doesn't matter. I, I've seen it be the smallest dude in the room, but like you don't have to show me that like you know like I'm not that, or especially like like I think it affects you because you don't have to like this is some people. This is all they are. Like, for some people, like, this is the epitome of who they are as an athlete. Like, their whole entire, not only their identity, but how they treat other parts of their livelihood. Like, I think, you know, like, John, you talk about it, like, the the profession is different than being a rapper. There's actually, you know, right. like there's a difference in profession. And when you have this livelihood of I'm untouchable, I think I'm him. I'm, you know, I'm going against, I'm at one of the highest places in my you know, league, like, I, I'm untouched. There's always somebody that's going to be able to say, no, nah, like, somebody could pull your card and you're going to have to be able to, like, you know, mm-hmm. you know, and I think, like, show yourself and show your credibility. And I think that people see that and it's hard for them to accept it and turn it. It's like a hard pill to swallow. Mm-hmm. And then you kind of see really, like you're saying, you see what they're made of. Because mm-hmm. if they're eternally positive, I don't think that they'll falter more times than not. I think that they'll figure out a way to make it happen versus being inter- like internally negative. They might just want, want to have more issues and, you know, but I think fighting with your teammates is one thing, you know, I, I laugh because that happens and it could be from yeah. guys who just love it the same you're Like way. brothers, it's like siblings, yeah. you know, you sibling, you know, you sibling get to talking, you're like, hey bro, you got one more time. And, and they're like, one more time. And then now, you know, y'all out here scrapping. Or, I mean, Kevin, you know this too, bro. In August, when it's hot outside, y'all been beating on each other for a couple weeks. And then, <laughs> Kevin, Kevin, answer this because you play, you play D line. Ask me, t- tell me if y'all ever did this, especially during the season. Did y'all ever have, or like during practice, when you know the ones had to go against each other, you talk to the offensive line and be like, "Hey, look, bro, let me get first down. I'm gonna let you get second down, and then third down. You know, it'll be who you know we're actually going whatnot. You know, I'm gonna say this." When my six-year guys, I had a couple six-year guys when they looking at you like, especially when it's one-on-one, like, all right, like, let's just, we in position, we good? All right, we good. Like, you know, like, it's 
we look like how this look on tape. All right, cool. And then right. you know, we we have we definitely have some talks where it's like we're not gonna turn it up too too much. Right. But then, like it's times because like it's about you know how it is. It's about the picture. It's about making sure you know that this looks like how it's supposed to look. Not all the time. It's about all right. I'm gonna go 110. Like them dudes will get. That'll start more fights than anything else, especially between Elon and Elon. <laughs> let, hey, look, let one of them freshmen think they're trying to prove a point on a Thursday when you just doing a walkthrough and they want to come through the A-gap full speed. All right, bro. All right. I'm going to remember that. I'm going to remember that. But <laughs> two, 300-pound seniors who've done this for four years. It's not fun no more. Right. Zero fun, sir. <laughs> to, an- to answer the question real quick, Dr. Pitt, you know, like I said, you know, show, show me I suck. And, you know, yeah. That was one of the things that, you know, when I was in high school, and I always say, you know, um, my high school that I played at before I got there, you know, they were really good and everything. But when I, my four years in high school, we were trash, you know, as a team, we were not good at all. And, you know, kids in the school be like, man, y'all suck. Like, y'all, how y'all losing them? Mm-hmm. And in my mind, I'd be like, hey, little bro, you got one more time to say I suck and, you know, prove, prove it to me that I, you know, that I'm trash because I'm not trash. I got highlights out of this game. I can't speak for everybody else. But I look good out there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, but I had to learn that, you know, and that's why I said at the beginning of the show, once again, like you have to be able to believe in yourself that even when things around you are falling apart at the mm-hmm. end of the day, you are only responsible for what you did and your position, even in a team sport. When I played center, yeah, I can sit there and point the fingers and say, well, hell, the right guard, the whole game, you know, we could never get the double team together or, you know, the left tackle, he getting beat by the DN every other play when we trying to pass. I can sit there and point fingers and say why we lost, but what did you do? What does mm. your tape look like? Because if your tape looked trash like everybody else, shut up. That's the take. It. See, he, you know, this chemistry is crazy because I swear he be taking the words straight out of my mouth and stuff. Like, yo, I was going to say that. He took what I was about to say. But, but my interpretation of what you both said is that, at least from your perspectives, it's recognizing that you have to take responsibility for your own feelings. You're not right. going to allow a fan or or whomever to pull you off your square and sort of dictate your performance based on their, you know, critique. It's like, you know what? Don't give them your remote control. Yeah, I got to own my stuff, right? I have to own my stuff. So just in the instance of time, one of the, I just, the last thing that I wanted to really touch on to really help people wrap their mind around this is, and, and we see it, goodness gracious, we see it all the time because there's so much hostility in sports with the trades that are going on, you know, mm-hmm. the, the we're, we're gearing up for, um, you know, in college, you're gearing up for spring game. And like you said, Kevin, you know, people are out there trying to work for their spot and the whole nine yards and mm-hmm. in the professional league where there's trades going on, there's tag deadlines, go, you know, that have gone on. We're getting ready for the draft season to come up. And I think that now's the time of the year and we see it during this season. But I think now is the time of the year where we start to see some athletes sabotage. They really do start to sabotage because of everything that's going on holistically. We talked last week about, you know, whether or not the young man that was involved in the fatal crash from Georgia, you know, how is that going to impact his um, his opportunities at the draft and what have you. But just real quick, if you could. Um, when I think about sabotage, when it comes to your happiness and the love of the game, I think about those athletes that fall over into self-pity, those athletes that fall over into blame, those athletes that fall over into 
this place and space of resentment. What are your thoughts about that? Have you seen it? Have you experienced it? And what does that look like regarding whether or not you continue to love this game and find happiness and fulfillment in playing the game? Kevin, you got a big dog. That's a great question because, like, I've seen it, I've experienced it, I know exactly. Like, mm -hmm. I know that feeling. Like, I've had many conversations, and I think that it starts with like the hierarchy, obviously, coaches and stuff. So, mm -hmm. like, I've had a lot of conversations with coaches, and it's real easy to fall into self pity. I swear, it's like the easiest way out. Like, wow. because it's so it can happen. How minuscule a coach can make you feel in any instance yeah. that they want to is completely like it's terrible because mm -hmm. they have like you know they'll hang it over your head that they have your education that they have financial like they have that over you you know so I've seen guys like go through the worst you know possible outcomes because of a disagreement they've had with a coach and then mm -hmm. it completely affected how they played if they even came back to play. Um, they blame the culture, you know, different reasons they present wow. players, teammates, all types of things. Um, I think that that's something that you really have to find deep in yourself not to take that way out if you love the game. Because um, mm. it's just, it's so easy for me to say, okay, well, I didn't get these reps. It's the coach's fault. Like, and mm. I even like, you know, and I have my disagreements with my coaches and I have my ways that I think that the season should have gone. But um, and this is past seasons, college seasons, high school seasons, all that. I think the thing is, is I'm not paid to be in that position. Um, I wasn't brought here to be a coach. I was brought here to be a player. And so all the, like, you know, Ronnie said throughout the show, um, previous shows, like all you can control is how, what you do when you show up, mm -hmm. you know, the responsibility that you take, the accountability, you know what I'm saying, for yourself, mm -hmm. like what did you do? Because if I turn on the tape, if I ask the guys that, you know, spring practice, summer, fall, all that, was he the first guy, you know, running, like beating everybody in times. He mm -hmm. trying to make the most weight. Was he always here, always doing that? Then I could see, like, if you if you mean all these checks, and, you know what I'm saying? I mm -hmm. think say, like, that that may be, you know, more reasonable, but I, I just, I've never seen it as something that should be reflected with, like, you know, positivity. I think that when you start playing the blame game and you know, start resenting people, you know, it's just, it's kind of corny. Like you gotta, you right. gotta accept it. You gotta accept it. And you gotta make the most out of the circumstance and mm -hmm. just push forward because there are a thousand different ways to get it if you want it. Like wow. I went to the portal like in 2019, 2020, and you know, I made it work and I was able to still go and get my mm -hmm. education and battle through whatever, but it's just all about your own wherewithal, how you can do it yourself, like, you know, like kind of what we talked about, yeah. how you motivate yourself and how you, you know, how you feel. But then it's just, it's that, that's the easiest way out to blame everybody else or, wow. you know, oh, I could have made it to the league, if, you know, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. You got to take the game for what it is and maximize your usage of it. Okay. And, 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 and if I can piggyback off of that um, and, and, and to Kevin's point, for me, I think the, I see more athletes sabotage when they get into college than I probably see at any other level. Um, wow. Because college is like that first true, like stepping stone, you know, 
you can be all state in high school and you know play you know play around a whole bunch of bums and look amazing but when you get to college even at the d2 and d3 level like there are studs at those schools like everybody mm-hmm. everybody was successful even at d3 schools most people mm-hmm. that made it there they love football you don't go you don't go play college sports because you don't love it or you don't have a passion for it or you're not trying to be good at it but I've seen more people get humbled and, you know, have pity and uh, begin to Mm. sabotage because once again, that's the first time they've ever faced real adversity. That's the first time a coach ain't been like, you know what? You're the best player out here. You, you, bro, you good, man. Just show up next time. And when they fit, when they face that for the first time, when they face that failure or that setback or that adversity for the first time, like both you all have said, that true character comes out. That true person Mm -hmm. comes out. See, we can put up a lot of masks and defense systems and, you know, guards, you know, to keep people at bay and really, you know, be be a version of ourselves that just gets through. You know, Mm -hmm. if I need to be a version of myself that the coach says, I can trust him. If I need to be a version of myself that says, you know what, the teacher know I'm going to come to class. And then the first time something happens and I don't do that, now they're asking questions. And the more they ask questions, now I have to be real. Now I have to be authentic. But Mm -hmm. I'm afraid. I'm scared of being my real self. I'm scared of the rejection. I'm scared of the failure. I'm just scared of not being good enough. And I don't want to face that fear. So you know what? Mm-hmm. Hey, man, Coach is tripping, bro. Coach, you know, mm-hmm. Coach really won't rock with me. Me and Coach won't see eye to eye. So, you know, I was like, you know what? Maybe this ain't for me. Or you know what? Me and, you know, me and my teammates, we really couldn't see eye to eye. You know, we couldn't really gel. You know, we really weren't getting along. And I don't really like that crowd. I don't, I don't need that type of people in my life and whatnot. So, you know what? Bump, y'all. I'm out of here. And, and like Kevin said, you can make any excuse in the world for why something didn't happen, you know, mm-hmm. but in sports, I always say sports is a great equalizer. It's very simple. You got mm-hmm. one winner and one loser and that's it. You mm-hmm. either won or you lost. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I hate in the professional leagues, they got tying everything because I think that's the NFL sh- should have been done away with ties. It's disrespectful that they have ties because it's mm-hmm. disrespectful to competition. You don't tie in competition. You don't draw in competition. You either got a winner or a loser. And it's that simple. And either you do what you got to do, you show up for yourself, put the work in, and you keep trying. And yes, one day you will be a winner. Or the first time you catch an L, first time you get humbled, you can sit there and point the finger, cry, say, you know what, this ain't for me. And you can be like that. Mm-hmm. Choice is yours. I always tell people, we can't control the things around us, but what we can control is how we respond and how we behave in certain areas. So the choice is y'all, y'all. And 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 I'm gonna piggyback on that and close us out. And this is the final thought that I want to leave everybody with today. We, we, mankind, athletes only, we were born into a culture and our family systems and, you know, we have these backgrounds that represent our life's journey. And all of those things, as you both have so beautifully stated throughout today's show, all of those things have the ability to significantly influence our attitudes. But at the end of the day, every single one of us as individuals is ultimately responsible for how we choose to cope with life, how we choose to cope with the setbacks in your athletic performance, how you choose whether or not you're gonna get better or curl up in a ball and throw in the towel and quit, 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 quit. Mm -hmm. 
you get to decide, even if your athletic career doesn't go the way you want it to go, which happens a lot of the time, because only 2% of athletes go into the league, you get to decide if you are going to maintain a positive attitude regardless and find as much joy and peace and happiness and fulfillment in your performance and in your athletic journey. It really truly is up to you. Kevin said it perfectly. You can allow the pressure to make you a diamond or you can allow it to cause you to crumble. It's up to you. That's all we have for today. Kevin, you know you, well, you was family anyway, but you know you're family, right? right. So you, man, we you have an open on, access man. card to come on whenever you want to. You know, I'm going to be tuning in and, you know, I might go incognito for a little while and, you know, <laughs> I'm going to still be tapped in whenever yeah. you guys, you know, want to have me on and I'm always going to be able to yeah, come on. Appreciate we appreciate it. it, man. Thank you again, man. Thank you for your insight and, and sharing your time with us, man. And, and once again, uh, congratulations and, and, and good luck for your uh, baby boy that's coming and everything, man. You know, it's an exciting time, man. Fatherhood. Don't let nobody ever tell you, brother, fatherhood ain't lit. Like, it, it, <laughs> it is lit, bro. Indeed. I'm trying to tell you, being a father is probably one, by far one of the top three greatest things I'll ever do in my life. So. Amen. Yeah, man. Congratulations. And once again, thank you for coming on, man, and sharing your time and insight with us. Yeah, thank you guys again for having me, of course. Absolutely. Everybody have a great Saturday. We'll see you right back here next Saturday. Bye-bye, everybody. Thank you.